The last thing we're discussing was if someone gave an item to a craftsman to fix and he ruined it, he's responsible to pay. And the Gemara started off with Ravaseh explaining that the Mishnah is talking about if you gave them an actual box and he ruined it, he has to pay for the box. But if you gave him raw material, then he only has to pay back raw material. Because even if you made it the box, the craftsman acquires the item through the enhancement he made. So he would only have to pay the raw material. And the Gemara proves it by explaining the Sefa, it explains the Resha of the Mishnah. And with that, we're going to start last line towards the end of the line where it says so we're going to try to help Ravas who said that the craftsman acquires through the enhancement we're going to try to help Ravase from the Mishnah coming up it says if someone gave wool to the dyer can you dye this for me and it got ruined in the in the in the pot that was boiling it. I guess he, he boiled it too much. The the dyer just has to pay for the wool. He only has to pay for the wool. He doesn't have to pay for the wool and the enhancement. Now, aren't we talking about where he ruined it already after it uh, the the wool caught the color? The Ikashibha, it's already enhanced, it's already not regular wool, it's now blue wool, green wool, whatever it is. And the fact that he only has to pay him for wool, you understand that when there was an enhancement, the the, the craftsman already acquired it. And I'm a Shemuel, you could always say, no, you could say before the color caught onto the wool, it got ruined. There was no enhancement, and then you would have to pay. So you have no proof to Rabaseh. The Gemara asks, okay, Shmuel, but what would be the halakha if after the wool caught the color, it uh, it got ruined? What would be the halakha? You, you hold that he would have to pay for the wool and for the color, meaning a colored wool. So maybe Shmuel doesn't hold of Rabaseh that a craftsman acquires through the enhancement. We're talking about a situation where the owner owns the wool and the and the color, the dye. And the dyer is only getting paid for his work. He knows what to do with this stuff. And in this type of situation, even if there was an enhancement, it still belongs to the owner. So could be Shmuel doesn't argue on Rav Aseh. He would hold that Uman Kone B'Shevach Keli, but over here, everything belonged to the owner. Maybe Rav Aseh would agree with him. Maybe we're just talking about something totally different. The Gemara says, Ihachi, if we're talking about a situation where everything belongs to the owner, then why does it say that he only gives the wool back? It said he should have to pay for the wool and the dye. So the Gemara says, Ela Shmuel Dachoye Shmuel was just trying to push the proof. Not that he argues on Rav Asay, he just didn't like that proof. He felt the Mishnah could be explained differently. So Tashima, here we're going to ask a question on Rav Asay. We're going to bring a Braita that says that Oman, a craftsman, does not acquire through the enhancement. If someone gave his suit to a tailor, for example, if he finished the suit, 
And he called him up. He told him, listen, your suit's finished. Come pick it up. As long as the suit is in the hands of the tailor, there's no issue of not paying on time. You have to pay on time. Once a person does a job for you, you have to pay on time. But if he's still holding onto the suit, there's no uh, there's no avira here of not paying on time. Netana lo If he gave him the suit in the middle of the day, Once the sun sets, okay, he did the avira of not paying on time. If you hold that a craftsman acquires through the enhancement of the item, why is a person over on not paying on time? Why did he sin it? You could say the item belongs to the tailor. We're talking about doing laundry to a thick garment. There's no enhancement in all of this. He's just cleaning it, he's taking out the dirt, he's just uh, fixing it. It, it, he's not uh, changing it, and therefore uh, there's no enhancement to the item. The Gemara says, yeah, but sof sof lemaya havani but at the end of the day, why do you give it to the craftsman? You want him to clean it so he can wear it, you want him to comb it, whatever it is. Once you softened it, once you cleaned it, that's the enhancement, and why should he be over on Baltalin? The Gemara says, we're talking about a situation where he hired him to step on it, to tread on it, and that, that will soften it up. Meaning, every step you'll pay him a ma'ah. Meaning, he's renting him, and that's why there's a lotalin. Okay, but, but according to what we originally thought, where he got this suit to soften it, to clean it, he didn't hire him to step on it. It helps Rav Sheshat. When it comes to Kablanut, meaning they gave you a job to do. Finish the suit, finish the yard, whatever it is. Meaning they didn't give you a set amount of time. So you're not hired per day, per hour, rather you're hired by the job. Is there a sur of lotalin or not? Meaning if a person didn't pay this person on time, is there a sur or not? Rav Sheshat says, yes, there is an avir if you don't pay him on time. And lema de Rav Sheshat peliga de it sounds like Rav Sheshat who says you would have to pay because it still belongs to the owner. And Oman does not acquire when he enhances it. It sounds like he argues in igarta. We could definitely say that Rav Sheshat and Ravaseh hold the same thing that a craftsman acquires with the, through the enhancement. And over here, the reason he's over batalin, we're talking about a situation where someone told uh, someone to be a messenger here, bring this letter. I'm hiring you to bring this letter to this person. So there was no enhancement in this job. But maybe when there was an enhancement in this job, he would acquire it. So now the Gemara shifts gears and says, Let's say this uh, this concept of a craftsman acquiring through the enhancement is a tanaim, And this is in regards to a woman who gave gold to the goldsmith. And she told him, Make me bracelets, nose rings, rings, and I'll be Mekudesh to you, uh, meaning instead of paying you, I'll be Mekudesh to you. Uh, 
until the items comes to her hand. Now, my mamon, what money are we talking about? If it's the money, meaning the gold that she gave him and he gives it back, it sounds like Rabbi Meir holds that he doesn't even have to give her back that same money. Just by him doing it, she's mekudeshet. So, ela bemai makdeshad. And if that's the case, then how is she mekudeshet? Meaning, if nothing came to her hand, how is she mekudeshet? Ela peshita mai mamon. Rather, you have to understand, what does mamon mean? When Hachim say, until the money comes to her hand, mamon her different money. And according to Rabbi Meir, he has to give her back the jewelry. Besavrua, and everyone understood, the chule alma Everyone holds that when you hire someone to do work, you have to start paying him the minute he did a shaver pruta worth of work. So the minute he started working, and he did a shaver pruta worth of work, at that point, uh, she owes him money. If someone is Mekadesh, a woman, with a loan, something that she owes him, she's not Mekudeshet. Because when someone borrows money, it's he wants to spend it however he wants. Here, you're turning that whatever you want into Kiddushin, which now you, you have her stuck. So you can't be Mekadesh with a loan. Now, my love, Be'uman kone b'shevach kelika miflaget. Sounds like they're arguing in the Mahloket, does a craftsman acquire the item through its enhancement? holds He does acquire it. And when he gives it back to her, it's as if he's giving her what belongs to him, to her, and that's why she's Mekudeshet. And it sounds like Rabbanan hold that he does not acquire it through the enhancement. Rather, she owes him money for fixing it. And since uh, she has to start paying from the beginning when he started doing work, and it's, it's, the whole thing is a loan, and therefore she's not Mekudeshet. And the Gemara says, no, no, that's that's not what they're arguing about. That in, uh, the craftsman does not acquire through the enhancement. Over here, the machloket is when when someone is working for you, do you have to pay them straight from the beginning or not? Meaning, at what point do you start owing them the money? holds. You only have to pay at the end, when he finishes doing the job. And at the end, when he gives her the keli or whatever he did, at that point, he forgives her on whatever she owes. And therefore, there's no loan. And therefore, she's mekudeshet. That you do owe the craftsman from the beginning. Meaning, once he started doing Shaveh Protesa, she already owed him money from the beginning. And that's why when he gives it to her, well, the money that she owed him is a loan. And she has to pay back. And you can't be mekudesh with the loan. Or you could say, Everyone holds that everyone holds that you owe the craftsman from the beginning, the minute he does a worth of work. Maybe the machloket is in regards to being a woman with with a loan. You could be a with a loan. 
אינה מקודשת. אני רבנן הולד, if you מקדש with a loan, you're not מקודשת. Now, Rabbam, Rabbam wants to explain the machloket between Rabbi Meir and Chachamim a different way. Everyone agrees that you have to start paying from the beginning. Everyone agrees if, you want be, if, you, if someone wants to be Mekadesh with a loan, it's not Mekadesh. And everyone agrees that the craftsman does not acquire through the enhancements. Now, what are we talking about with the, with the woman over here? Over here, he added a nice jewel, a nice diamond extra on the jewelry from his own pocket. Rabbi Meir Savar Milveo Purta Data Purta. Rabbi Meir held if someone's Mekadesh a woman with the loan she owes him, plus he's giving her another Purta on top of it, she's thinking of the Purta and therefore she's Mekudeshet. Verabanan Savre Milveo Purta Data Milve. Rabbanan hold she's not Mekudeshet because she was really thinking about that loan that was forgiven. That's more important to her. The machloket between Rabbi Meir and Hachamim is like the following Tanaim de Tanya. A man tells a woman, listen, I worked, I did A, B, C for you. Instead of paying me, um, just be Mekodesh to me. And I'm Mekodesh, she's not Mekodesh. If he tells her up front, listen, I'll do this for you, but you have to be Mekodesh to me, then Mekodesh. When he finishes everything and everything gets fixed, he's Mekodesh. Why? Because they hold over here. That schirut is only paid at the end, meaning when you finish your job, then you get paid. And Rabbi Natan Omer, when when you finish your job, she's still not mekudesh because he holds the minute that this craftsman starts working. Once he does a shavu pruta, she is mekudeshet, and it becomes a loan. And if you mekudesh the loan, it's not mekudeshet. All the more so, Rabbi Natan holds in the case of uh, to forgo a loan, for, meaning I already worked for you, you owe me money, that for sure doesn't work. He holds like Rabbi Natan, whether it's for a few, uh, work that I'm going to do or work that I did, if you add a little bit of jewelry on top of it, she's Mekudeshet. Now, Ben Tanakama, the Rabbi Natan, the Mahloket between Tanakama, who says, if it worked and I'm going to do Mekudeshet, Rabbi Natan said, no, Mekudeshet, Ika Ben Ayusachirut, I can understand the Mahloket is, in regards to at what point do you start to owe the craftsman money? Is it at the end or is it from the beginning? Ben Rabbi Natan, the Rabbi Udan Nasi, Ika Ben Milve Upruta, I understand the Mahloket between Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Udan Nasi is in regards to being Mekadesh a woman with a loan plus an extra Peruta, Rabbi Natan She's thinking about the loan, and therefore she's not a kodeshet. And according to Rabbi Udanasi, she's thinking about the extra bit that you added, and therefore she is mekodeshet. And that's the same machloket as Rabbi Meir and Hachamim. Rabbi Meir says she's mekodeshet because she's thinking about the extra peruta. Hachamim says she's thinking about the 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 loan. And Amar Shemuel. Tabah Oman, a shohayat, an expert shohayat, shekil kel, he messed up the shahita, hayav the shalem. He has to pay, maziku posheahu, he's a damager, he's negligent, and aseke omer lo shehot limikan, veshehot lo mikan. It's as if I told him here, slaughter for me over here on this side of the animal, and he slaughtered on the total opposite side, therefore he's negligent and he has to pay. And the Gemara has a question. Lama lele meimar maziku posheahu, why do you have to say both that he's a damager, he's negligent?
So Gemara explains, I would have said, listen, he's only a damager when he's getting paid and he messed up the shaita. Let's say he's doing it for free. Look, maybe he doesn't have to pay because it was an honest, something out of control. The animal moved or he or he sneezed or something, right? And therefore, he's not negligent. He should be patur. The hidush is that he's also negligent and you can't just say honest and you would have to pay. Now, Etiber of Hama Bagurial Shmuel. Of Hama Bagurial, it's a question on Shmuel. A person gave an animal to a shohet and he messed up the shaita, it's a nevela. Oman Patur, Hediot Hayab. If he's an expert, he's Patur. Why? Because he's Anu, something probably happened. If he's a Hediot, he's not an expert shohet, then he's Hayab because you don't know what you're doing, don't do it, you're negligent. Now, if you pay the shohet up front, then it doesn't make a difference if he's an expert or not, you're hayav. So it's a problem on Shmuel, who said that he's hayav even if it's free. And Amar and Shmuel answered of Hamal, your, your brain should be distorted. He cursed him. So, and again, another student came to Shmuel, asked him the same question, like Rav Hama asked him, and now you're cursed like, a, like your friend. Meaning, whatever I said to Rav Hama Bargunya, it should go to you, meaning your mind should be distorted. Because, I'm talking to Rabbi Meir Vekamri, to Li Rabbanan, you're talking to me, Rabbanan. Am I la direct mile? Why don't you pay attention to what's going on? Shani Omer Mazik, who Poshaun Asake Omer Lo, Shehot Elim Mikan, Veshahat Lo Mikan. I said it's as if you, he's negligent because it's as if you told him slaughter from here and he ended up slaughtering from a different side and therefore he's negligent, he's Hayav. Man it le Who's this according to? Who holds this that if a damage happens because you were negligent, you're Hayav? It's Rabbi Meir who says you have to be careful and therefore even if there's an honest patur. So I'm talking Rabbi Meir and you bring me Rabbanan. So the Gemara says, Hey Rabbi Meir, which Rabbi Meir? Where does Rabbi Meir hold that if someone was negligent, he's Hayav? So, maybe it's Rabbi Meir in regards to the following case. If an owner tied an animal with the reins, and he locked the door properly, and let's say this ox, he found his way out and started damaging, whether this is a short tam or a short mu'ad, doesn't make a difference. The owner is Hayav. That's the very Rabbi Meir. Because according to Rabbi Meir, you need the extra. You need to watch over it extra careful. You have to do extra protect it. You have to put a heavier door. You have to tie it even stronger. Whatever it is, the Gemara says no. Because Hatam over there, you could always say that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda are arguing in regards to an understanding of the pasuk. This is a machloket at the end of Perek Shor Shenagah, before the beginning of the Perek. It's a machloket in how to understand the pasuk. So then it has nothing to do with logic. I mean, you can't say, oh, Rabbi Meir holds this or Rabbi Meir holds that. Ela harabimir. Maybe it's different bimir. In a different case, the tanan. If I gave wool to the craftsman, the tzbo alu adom. I told the dye make it red. Utzvah shahor. He made it black. Shahor tzvah adom or black, and he made it red. Bimir omer noten lo demetsim. Bimir says it's as if you stole it. You give him back wool, meaning you totally messed it up, and now you have to pay for it. So same thing over here. Shohayet who messed up the shchita. It's like he stole it, and now he has to uh, he has to give another animal. 
You could say there's a big difference over there with the dyer. He himself messed it up. He put the red dye instead of the black dye. That's not an honest. That was done on purpose or pretty close to purpose. So you can't compare cases. So Ela Harabimir. Maybe it's a different Rabimir. The Tanan. Maybe it's Rabimir in this case. A person was was holding a uh, a barrel. And he tripped. He broke it. It's all over the floor, and he didn't pick it up. Or a person's camel broke in the in the middle of the street. It fell. He didn't pick it up. And someone got hurt because of it. He tripped over the broken pieces or over the camel. holds. You are you are liable for the damages that happened because someone tripped it up because you didn't pick it up. And hachamim hold your patur medina adam, meaning if you take it to human court, your patur, but you have by heavenly court. And we know that the mahluk between them is in regards to if someone uh, trips up on something, if someone may, fell, is he considered negligent or not? Rabbi Meir holds he is considered negligent. He should have been careful not to trip. And therefore, he's not an anus. And therefore, if anything happened as a result, he's hayav. And hachamim hold is an anus. And therefore, he's patur. So you see, Rabbi Meir holds, if someone should have been careful, he's not considered an anus, rather he's negligent, and he has to pay. And Amara Baba Barhana, Amara Bihanan, Tabah uman shekilkel hayav afil uman ketabahay sipori. Rabbi Barhana said in the name of Rabbi Hanan, a shohayat, an expert shohayat who messed up, even if he's an expert shohayat like the shohayat of sipori, he's still obligated to pay. But Rabbi said there was a story about a shohayat who messed up on shaita, and it was in front of Rabbi Hanan in the, in the Bet Knesset of Maon. And Ve'amar le zil aiter ayad emchit letanegolim ve'afterach. And Rabbi Hanan told the shohayat, "Go bring proof that you're a shohayat for uh, that you're an expert shohayat in regards to chickens, and I'll uh, and I'll exempt you from paying." So you see that Rabbi Hanan holds that an expert is patur. The Gemara explains lakashia. No, they're not a not a contradiction. Kan bechinam, kan besachar. It depends. When Rabbi Hanan says patur, if he slaughtered for free. He didn't get paid yet, and therefore, he, since he's an expert and uh, he wasn't planning to mess this up, therefore he's patur. But when he got paid, he is now hayav. Now he's hayav in onasim. It's like Rabbi Zera says, if someone wants to make sure that the shohet is going to do it right, and if not, he's going to have to pay for it, and if he messes up, he's going to have to pay, he should give him a dinar first, let him pay up front. Now the Gemara has a question. If someone sent his wheat to get grinded by the grinder and he did not wet them, and ends up the the grinder makes them bran or coarse bran, not exactly what he wanted. Same idea. Came achlanachtom, or I sent uh, flour to the baker to bake bread for me. Vasa o pat nipolin, and he made it, and he made the bread crumbly, meaning he underbaked it. Or behemala tabach venibela, or I sent the animal to the shochet, and he messed up the shechita. Hayav. In all these cases, the hayav. Why me pinishukin or se sachar? Because the craftsman over here, the grinder, the baker, the shochet, is as if he is getting paid for it. 
It's as if he's a paid watchman and he's hayav and honest. And, and Tosafot explains, if he was doing it for free, he's patur. Now, in general, the person is always a muad. The person is always has to be careful not to damage someone else's things. But not every uh, honest is the same. He would be hayav and honest like something getting lost, but not something getting stolen. So he would be like something out of his control getting stolen. And the Gemara says a story, There was a story of an, of an animal that was slaughtered, but in a way that it was a hagrama, meaning it's, the shaita has to be done on the, the trachea and the esophagus. When it comes to, let's say, the trachea, there's a spot where you can't slaughter, it's too high, and there's a spot that's too low. So you have to slaughter in that big area in the middle. But you have to be careful not to slaughter, let's say, too high. Now on the top there's a tabat kedulah, a big ring, they call it in halakha terms. You have to be, stay away from there. You have to leave something over there. And it's a mahloket of how high could you go. So here we're talking about a situation where you started the shita kosher, and then it went up to that area right afterwards. So so they brought that case in front of Rav. Okay, Shuhayt started here, ended up there. Tarfe. And he was posek like Hachamim, who said it's Taref. But on the other hand, he told the Shuhayt he doesn't have to pay for it. So so Rav Kahana, Rav met the owner of the animal. Rav did two things, meaning he contradicted himself when giving you psakalacha. And the Gemara just understand. What was the contradicting halachot? If you want to tell me he did two bad things, that he should have said it was kasher, who argues like Rabbanan, and then and then he said it was not kosher like Rabbanan, and he made you lose the animal. But if he held like Rabbanan, he should have told the shohet that he has to pay for it. Well, if that was the situation... Are they allowed to say such a thing to a person? We know the rule that after a psak din, Adayan can't come up to one of the claimants and say, "You should just know I was on your side. The other two rabbis they were on uh, they were on the other guy's side." What can I do? They're the majority. You know how to say that. Over here, it's considered Rachil. Uh, he's considered Rachil, someone who uh, speaks lashon hara. He's uh, he's a slanderer. He tells people uh, secrets are not allowed to be said. You're not allowed to do so. How could Rav Kana and Rav Asay say such a thing? Ella, what happened with Rav Kana and Rav Asay? They were trying to make him feel good. They were telling him no. He did two good things. Number one, safek isura. He didn't let you eat something that was in the machloket. It was safek, maybe it's asur, maybe it's not. You hold like Rabbi Yossi, you hold like Rabbanan, it was a machloket. So he was nice to you that he felt that you, you shouldn't eat it. And he also saved you from taking this shohet's money. It could have been it could have been stealing. Maybe it's stealing, maybe it's not. So he was careful with you. And Tosafot explains in the name of Rabbi Utam, the reason Rav was mahmir on this person, he was an Amaretz, 
and he didn't want him to be lenient with the other uh, rings on the neck. So I mean, he didn't know maybe he slaughtered here, maybe he slaughtered there, maybe next time he's going to be lenient. Therefore, he just told him, you're not allowed to have it. And the reason they called it safek gezela, not really gezela, because if he would have gave it, it would have been it would have been for sure gezela because it was kosher. So the the shohet should have understood that if this was a safek and they would have went to the rabbi, the rabbi would have been mahmir. So you had to be extra careful with the shaita. Very good. I look into that tosfot. Now we're going to stop over here because it's a big daf, and next the daf is pretty short. Baruch Hashem le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.